The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, you know, today our show is about active shooters and what we can do about it. And here we are, you know, we're in the holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, people are gathering together, families, Chris, uh, all sorts of opportunities to be in large places with celebration. And so I thought it would be so important for us to have this wonderful guest who has been with us several times before. He's one of our favorites, and that is Ron Williams, CFS. And he is retired from the U.S. Secret Service after 22 years. And he entered the private sector with doing security and all sorts of wonderful things to protect us. And he has a premier security consulting suite of companies, Talon Companies, and he is the chief executive officer of Talon Executive Services. And they have strategies to help companies and help individuals to protect themselves. And so he uh, frequently appears on Fox News Channel as well as other shows as a security analyst and terrorism expert. He's been on our show many times, and he's been a keynote speaker in many places. And Talent Executive Training and Education offers a full spectrum of security training and education, and he also does training for managers. He's wonderful. Uh, You could find out more about him at our website at privacypiracy.org, but also you can go to his website, talentcompanies.com. So I want to have enough time to talk about all this really important stuff because uh, we could talk about his accolades for hours, and I really want to talk about this. So thank you so much for joining us again, Ron. We think you're wonderful. Well, thank you, Maria. I uh, always enjoy being a guest on your show. Well, this is really an important issue to talk about. We've had recent shootings in all over the place, Las Vegas and a small church in Alabama. And we, we need to talk about this. The recent shootings um, did not appear to be related to employment issues. They seem to be targeted violence. Can you talk to this? Let's, let's talk about what should be done and kind of tell us what you think about all that. Well, uh, we go back, you know, many years back to uh, some of the more renowned shootings like Columbine where 
the two high school students uh, went into the high school. That was probably the start of what I would call renowned mass shootings. Um, <clears throat> the the issue of, of of violence falls basically into three buckets. One is random acts of violence, which would be a classified where, you know, let's just say two thugs go into a 7-Eleven or to a fast food or, you know, a liquor store, and in the process of holding it up, uh, they, they, they shoot the proprietor or somebody working there. That, that, would be, that would be known as a random act of violence, uh, non-foreseeable, non-predictable. Right. Then you have the acts of terrorism that are associated right now <clears throat> with uh, Islamic radical fundamentalism. Um, there are some right-wing groups that have in, in, been involved in acts of terror. Uh, and, and those can also be fall into the area of targeted violence. And then, mm-hmm. and then you have the lone shooter who's been involved in targeted violence. And, and, and then the other, the other bucket, if you want to say there's four buckets, is really employed, employment-related shootings now, that being said, there are, there are warning signs and behavioral signs that indicate that a person is getting ready to act out and has propensity for violence. When I was in the Secret Service, I probably investigated over four to 500 cases of threats or threat cases of threatening behavior uh, directed towards the President of the United States. Some of those studies uh, have been done by Secret Service that uh, also fall into private private industry, and that's something that I brought to the private sector. So targeted violence, <clears throat> when somebody says, what do you mean by targeted violence? Targeted violence would be an example for, and, and, the, and one of the biggest examples I use is Chris Dorner. I don't know if you remember Chris Dorner. He was a uh, terminated LAPD police yeah, officer. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, the reason I use him as a primary example is because he has all of the warning signs, all of the red flags on him to p- predict that he's going to act out. And, and uh, keep, keep your, your, your listeners should keep one thing in mind, that violence, targeted violence, is predicated by extreme anger. People who act out and, and go after specific t- people or targets are extremely, extremely angry. Uh, Chris Dorner became very, very angry because he got terminated from LAPD and he felt that it was an extreme injustice. And so this, this anger boiled over into acting out. But in so doing, he sent messages, behavioral messages. He sent um, a, a, um, a, a warning on his Facebook page mm. and social media that he was getting ready to attack uh, police officers. He sent a DVD to uh, 
to uh, CNN hmm. uh, indicating that he was getting ready to act out and he was going to start killing police officers. And he did. He killed uh, a total of five people and, uh, in February of 2012. Scott DeCry, the latest one was Devin Kelly, who hmm. uh, went, went on an attack at the church in Alabama and killed 26 in a church. He was after his uh, former mother-in-law yeah. and members of his family. Right. So when you talk in terms of targeted violence, usually those folks that engage in targeted violence are after somebody designated or a group. And we still don't know what drove Stefan Paddock in Las Vegas to act out. Right. He's an anomaly because almost in every shooting, you can associate the behavior prior to the act. And so we gauge a person's propensity for violence on three, three different levels. Number one, threat posturing. Okay. Is the person making threats, are they veiled? Are they more specific? Because the more specific a person gets in making threats, the more dangerous they become because uh -huh. they're becoming, we call that narrowing their focus. Huh. The okay. second aspect is called preparatory behaviors where they engage in stalking and planning. And they may go out and purchase weapons, targets, and do target practicing, but they are preparing themselves <clears throat> to engage in, in, uh, in violence. Mm -hmm. And then, and, for instance, in Paddock's case in Las Vegas, we know that he went to several locations and scouted them out before he decided to act out. Mm. And so you have that preparatory behavior aspect. And the third part that we take a look at is rehearsal fantasies, oh. because people who engage in targeted violence, violent episodes, actually visualize and fantasize about how they're going to do it. And many times they verbalize it. Uh -huh. So are there warning signs? Yes, there are. Pay particular attention to level of anger that somebody displays. And whether that level of anger is directed towards a threat of violence, listen to somebody who's talking about violence all the time Listen to somebody who uses inappropriate, foul language as part of their conversation. Always, because once somebody, you know, engages in that kind of posturing and foul language on a consistent basis using four-letter words, they're really angry. They're really telling you, I'm really angry. Right, right. So there are warning signs. And the, why is that important is because people... Uh, frequently that I interview after a post-traumatic shooting, they tell me, well, I saw, I saw and heard what the guy did, but I didn't believe that he would do it. Right, right. So we that, see that. So they mm -hmm. saw the warning signs, but they, they really didn't do anything about it. Now, here's, here's one of the problems in our democratic society is you know, when do when do first responders and the police get involved when they when the when the threat becomes 
a realistic, viable threat of of death. Right. So <clears throat> that's important as we move into, you know, the Christmas season because a lot of people become despondent and angry during Christmas. And, uh, you know, it's called the Christmas blues. Right, right. But let's also talk about what happens during an active shooter scenario. And so if you're going to be at a large gathering, uh-huh. uh, I, I tell people, because I do it, when I come into an unfamiliar setting, I look for escape routes. I look for where... Where, the, where is there a back door out of this? Where right. can I escape if something happens? Uh-huh. And be prepared, if something breaks bad, to run. Run. Get, a, get as far away from the actual event as you can. If that's not feasible and you're blocked, try to hide. But don't hide under an... Don't make yourself an immovable object. In other words... For instance, in Columbine, when uh, Eric Klebal and Dylan Smith came into the cafeteria, students all hid under the table. They were immovable objects. Right. What I talk about when you hide, go into a room, shut, lock the door, put something against the door. Right. And the third aspect in uh, response to an active threat situation where something is going down <clears throat> Prepare yourself at all costs that you have to fight. In right. other words, when confronted, if you have the chance, you have to pick up something, an object or whatever, and be prepared to fight for your life. And the reason that's important is uh, I go back to when, uh, when, Cho, uh, when Cho at Virginia Tech locked the building with chains. Right, right. He went up to the classroom. Classroom was full. And he started shooting people. Well, they, my contention is, had they banded together, some would have died, but they might have been able to save lives by attacking him. Right, right. In other words, you have to get the mental mindset that you're not going to be a victim and, and you're going to go down fighting. Mm-hmm. So that run, hide, fight aspect is uh, is very important. The last thing that I'll talk about, and then I'll take, you know, then we can talk about questions and, right. and uh, is that uh, there's a product on the market called Leatherback Gear. It's uh, found at www.leatherbackgear.com. Okay. Leatherbackgear, G-E-A-R.com, right? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a uh, it's a bulletproof backpack. Oh. A lot of college students today, you know, carry backpacks. This backpack is designed uh if shots are fired, you can unzip it, throw it over your head, pull the straps and you have protection for your torso both front and back. Oh. And I w- just wanted to bring that to you. Especially because you know, we're, attention. yeah, that's such an important, so if you're listening to this and you are a student on the campus at the University of California, or if you're listening anywhere and you're on a campus or anytime you carry a backpack, just this is a great place to look as leatherbackgear.com for their bulletproof protection uh, backpack. 
Great, great. Yeah, it also carries tourniquets, and you know, oh. in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas, um, there were fifty nine, fifty eight people that were shot and killed. Many of those people died because they bled out. Right. Unfortunately, I mean, it's sad. It's 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 horrible to even talk about some of this stuff. But had they had tourniquets available, people might have been able to save some lives by putting those tourniquets on these backpack comes these backpacks come with tourniquets so wow smart uh and with that <clears throat> with that maury I'll, I'll be prepared to you know take some questions and, yeah. and talk about some of these things yeah so ron you were talking before about some of the signs you know um <clears throat> the threat posturing and the more specific, the worse that it is, right? And right. Uh, preparatory behavior and and just those kinds of things and rehearsal fantasies. If you see this kind of stuff, and we know that, you you know, if you go to the police, if they say, well, have they done anything yet? You know, they might just dismiss you. So what do you do if, you know, if you really see a, a couple of these signs that make you worry what should you do? Well, you know, that's, that's one of the real problems in our society today is that, especially in California, unfortunately, they have released many of the mentally ill right. uh, folks out into society because they don't have yeah. the funding or the place to keep these people housed. So you have a lot of you have a lot of indigenous people out there on the street that uh, may have some mental issues. Um, here, here's you know that's the problem. The, mm. the, the 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 solutions need to be geared about <clears throat> for our society to understand that we have a problem in the first place, and then we need to move to some solutions. And I have. You know, I've studied it, and I think there are some solutions, but it's going to take uh, uh, legislation to to get those solutions in place. Mm -hmm. For the individual who sees somebody acting out, they know they're angry. And again, I do a lot of interviews with people regarding what they're seeing, what they're feeling, and they all told me, I, I felt that this person was a threat. I was scared to death of them. Yeah. But I never thought that they would act out. Right. Uh, it's important, you know, to try to get somebody like an HR, if it's in an employment area, or if you know the individual, it's it's important to try and get uh, somebody somebody's attention mm-hmm. to deter that individual from acting out. That being said... If you know that that person and in your gut you feel is dangerous, stay as far away from them as you can. Put distance and time between you and that individual because the closer you interact with them, the more dangerous they become to you because familiarity breeds contempt with somebody that's extremely angry and determined that they're going to shoot and kill people. 
Right. You may become you may become a victim of their target. Right. Right. You know. So if and, you re- um, if you sense that they're dangerous, yeah, you know you, yeah. you you must put time and distance between you and the individual and get as far away and not interact with them. Don't call them on the phone. Don't answer their text. Um, you know, stay as far away as you can. Right. Right. Um, you know, in the family law arena, that's. Um, when people get divorced, there's a lot of anger, you know, and there's a lot of contention. Yeah. 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 There've been judges have been killed in Orange County. There've been attorneys that have been killed in Orange County. And of course, when people are in litigation, um, it gets worse because there's, it it just fuels that anger, right? I mean, people are angry anyway, and then it fuels it because people are making allegations. Some are true. Some are not. And, um, you know, that's why I mediate. I keep people out of court. But still, I have, you know, like I have clients that will tell me I had to move out and I knew there was a gun, so I took the gun with me um, because I was afraid for my life. Um, But even if you take the gun, they can get another one, (laughs) you know? So, um, you know, I remember reading... Uh, the Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker, and um, sometimes if you get a restraining order, it makes it worse, right? So, what? Yeah, what that, you... it, here's here's the issue with restraining orders. You really need, you know, every attorney that I know, when somebody's making a threat, they advise getting a temporary restraining order. Here's the problem with that. It, it should be on a case-by-case basis. And the reason is because somebody that is mentally ill, and not, by the way, not all shooters, not all people that perpetrate violence are mentally ill. Right. Only about 20% of, of folks that act out are judged to be mentally ill. But if you get a re- restraining order on somebody who is mentally ill, Frequently, they look at that as a red cape. Yeah, they don't really care. Right. If you get if you get a restraining order about with somebody that understands the law and um, they're dysfunctional, but and they're angry, it it is probably in in best case scenarios to get a restraining order because they understand the ramifications and they are not going to. They don't want to spend their time in jail. Right. But if somebody is mentally ill and extremely angry and and is uh, preparing to act out, sometimes that temporary restraining order causes them to act out. Now, here here's the other flip side of that also. When you go to get a temporary restraining order, you have to do the investigation to determine whether or not that person is actually a threat dangerous yeah, yeah, and made yeah. a threat. Yeah. So you interview people, you take statements, uh, young attorneys who are not, not experienced like the old salty dog attorneys will put everything in that affidavit. And so the person that is going to get the restraining order against them gets to read yeah. What everybody said about him. Right. Gets them more angry. It makes makes them even more pissed off. They're yeah. ready to really right. go after somebody. Uh, so you ha- so if you're going to get a temporary restraining order, 
you have to, you know, be judicially uh, smart on how that how that restraining order is drafted, so it doesn't incite the individual that you're going to serve. Right, right. It, that's a big one. It's a, you know, that's why uh, in all these years that that I've been in business in the private sector, I caution, you know, attorneys who. Uh, want to get a, a temporary restraining order immediately? That's their first reaction. Hold on, let's let's profile this individual. Let's take a look at what makes them tick. Right. Uh, because a temporary restraining order is not across the board answer and every and and a solution for every situation. Right. Right. So yeah. you have to be ju- judicious on how those temporary restraining orders are are issued and and uh, delivered to the perpetrator yeah now you talk about the um, that you have some ideas for legislation that you think might be helpful as a solution are you willing to share some of those ideas well for instance if if uh, if a person makes a threat uh, and it's and it's a threat against themselves or others. Law enforcement can respond and put that individual in in a, what they call a fifty one fifty commitment to a mental right. hospital. Right, right. But what happens frequently is because uh, our our state uh, has not provided enough funding. What happens is person comes in, you have a psychiatrist or psychologist uh, examine them, and they kick them out the door before the 72-hour hold right, right. is even over with. Right. Because it's, it it's a financial them, issue sometimes, yeah. Well, it's a financial issue, but also they kick them out the door, and now they're more angry than when they were, when they were incarcerated on the right. 72-hour hold. Right. So... The the, the 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 first thing that really needs to be done by these people that work in these mental hospitals is not to be too quick to release these people out into society, number one. Mm. Number two, um, and, and so there needs to be a study that is relevant to how long these people that make a threat can actually be incarcerated. Right. Because if a person is really a threat, they should not be released out into society. Right. So that's, I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is that, that you know, everybody screams about gun control, gun control, gun, gun control. Yeah. But the issue really... When you take a look at people who perpetrate violence, you know, the two brothers in Boston used off-the-shelf products to create that bomb. The 19 terrorists used box cutters. Right, right. So, yeah, Uh, gun isn't everything, right? They'll find something else, right? Yeah. Yeah, here's the the issue, because we focus so much on on guns and, 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 and guns as the problem. That isn't, I mean, that's, the the problem is really in behavior. Right, The problem right. is our society. And the problem is how, 
for instance, if you take a look at Switzerland, everybody carries a gun in Switzerland. Right. Israel, everybody carries guns in Israel. You're, uh, you know, I've been to Israel three times, and you see 18-year-old girls walking down the street with M16s strapped to their back. Right. So when you take a look at those societies, you realize, hey, everybody has a gun here. Why aren't there more? You know, killings yeah, yeah. of this kind that occur in the United States. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because our society uh, has a lot of anger. And right now, right. there's so much political uh, discourse that right. is angry that's causing reactions. We need to do some training. We need to. Yeah. We need, we need to do some training. And we need to understand that we need to be a kinder, more gentler society. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with you, and we're just about out of time, but yeah, I, I, all the violence that I see in the movies and the TVs, what we see is what we learn, and so you're right. I think we need to have a whole mind shift. Thank you so much, Ron. I just want to give your website, talentcompanies.com. Ron Williams, CFS, he's retired, Secret Service. He knows security. He trains in security. He's wonderful. And we will have you back again. So thank you so much and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Mari. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org and the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 